Hi, everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 77. It's now been 33 weeks, one day, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today is one of those days where it's the good news and bad news for me. I have a lot of pre-recorded things that I want to tie together for today's episode and I was going to run off down to the podcast rock because that's the quickest place for my house to record everything I wanted to say so I could edit the show together but the good news for the community is there's boot camp classes going on on Tuesdays and Thursdays and today's a Tuesday and that's great except they're so enthusiastic in their boot campism that there's just too many sound interruptions. So I came up to where I go hiking, but since I'm wearing my shorts and my sneakers and not my hiking outfit, I had to find a new place. So here I am under one of the trees at the base of the trail, and I'm kind of enjoying it. So you might be hearing some crickets and birds and other things like that. So it is a beautiful day. So I guess the bad news for me was good news too. So today, after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'll talk about what I'm letting go today. Then we'll have some very brief welcomes and announcements. Then I'm going to play you a snippet of Mark at Mai's bike ride from yesterday. Mark is going to do his monthly report on his take on my progress with intuitive eating. I'm going to give you a little snippet also of my latest voice acting class. And finally, we're going to wrap up with some thoughtful support comments by Marquita and Stephanie from Quebec and my thoughts on what Stephanie has to say about possible causes of my sadness and feelings of isolation that I talked about last episode. So stay tuned, let's listen to Josh and then I'll find out what am I going to let go of today. But I'm letting go Thank you, Josh. You know, today I really didn't have any idea of what I needed to let go of today. Now I have two things. One, I have to let go of the idea that I can control any outside environment because while I'm here isolated and recording, plenty of families are going up and down the hiking trail that is adjacent to me. And because we're in the mountains, they can probably hear what I'm having to say and I'm getting some of the bleed through of what they have to say. But you know what? That's just the way it is. But the other thing that I've really been pondering and listening to Josh just now really brought it to my mind is I need to let go of food choices that trigger diet mentality. And that one's not quite as easy as some of the other things that I've talked about letting go of, but this is what I mean by it. In the past, I've had reasons to give up certain foods for certain reasons, like maybe you know, you're going to have surgery, and so you need to not eat that day. Or at one time, my doctor was a little concerned about my blood sugar, and so I had to go very low carb for a while to see if that would bring my blood sugar back on track. And I did those things, but I didn't really like it. It was like gritting my teeth and waiting for the time to come when I could eat those things again. Right? My blood work came back okay. We added the carbs back into my diet. My blood work continued to be okay. And so that was all right. Or surgery was over or whatever reason. There might be times in your life where you give up some kind of food. You know, some people have fast for religious reasons, not just for body cleansing and things like this. Or you might be like a professional or amateur weightlifter, in which case you eat a certain way. Certainly Diane the Champion and I have gone through that with our body for life. You eat a very specific way when you're trying to build muscle and you're working in your fitness in that manner. 
And I have to be honest with my body for life experience, I was kind of the same way. I was eating exactly as my coaches were telling me and I was getting some results, not as good as I was hoping, but still I was getting strength and results from that. But I was still wishing that I could eat the way that I want to. Then come every single diet I've ever been on in my life. Atkins, back way, way, way before Atkins, there was, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Maybe it was Dr. Atkins back in the day, but I was like only 11 years old or 10 years old. The first time the no carb type diet came around. And I remember putting cottage cheese on hamburger patties <laughs> and eating jello and going on that kind of a diet. Or the egg and grapefruit diet was very popular in my young youth. And of course, Weight Watchers and Fat Camp and calorie counting and fat gram counting and all kinds of counting and let's eliminate this food group or let's eliminate that food group or this kind of food is evil, that kind of food is bad. So part of the intuitive eating process that I'm going through right now is kind of to legalize all foods. I don't care if you're talking Cheetos, Snickers bars, candy bars, ice cream, pizza, wheat, dairy, meat, whatever you might care to eat, it's all good. And that's not because intuitive eating says we should all eat loads of crap every day and that we should not care about our health and not care about these things. It's to help you get back in touch with eating more naturally so that you're not beating yourself up endlessly about that you ate a Snickers bar when you were hungry at three o'clock, like those of us who have compulsive eating issues are prone to do. Raise your hand, I'm raising mine here out in the mountains. Raise your hand if you ever had any kind of snack that you felt was a poor choice of food and then felt bad about it for much, much longer than it took you to eat that food. And there's many reasons why you might want to eat that food too. Maybe you're hungry and that's what there is in the vending machine. Or maybe you just had a hankering for those Cheetos. Or everybody else was eating the donut and so you didn't want to feel left out. Whatever reason, there are times in our lives where most of us have had opportunity to eat some kind of food that we felt was not quote unquote good for us. And someone who does not have a disordered view of eating and does not have a disordered view of food would not give it another thought. So I had the donut, so what? And again, their body might naturally make them not be as hungry for a while because the extra calories that they ate was more than they were used to. Or they might consciously say, oh, I think next time I go for a bike ride, I'll add you know a few more miles on there and I'll take care of that donut. But it isn't the exercise bulimia thought. It isn't like, I know that donut was 180 calories or 300 calories because it had sprinkles or whatever. And so I need to do X amount of minutes in order to take care of that. And it's not the thought of, okay, because I ate this donut, I'm not going to eat my lunch or my dinner, or I'm only going to eat salad with no dressing for the next day, or who knows what kind of weird compulsive thoughts that you might have in your head. I know that the negative critical voice in my head really got after me every time I wasn't perfect. And we talk a lot about perfectionism and my podcast buddy and new fake little brother, <laughs> Alan Standish, his whole podcast now is about progress, not perfection. By the way, thanks for the shout out in your last episode, Alan. I really had fun hearing that. And I also found that interview with Cookie really, really good. It was all about motivation. So I'm gonna put the link to that on today's show. But back to my topic. Anyway, my thinking with food has been seriously messed up. And I might have used a stronger word if this wasn't PG-13, as I want to say, but my thinking around food and eating has been seriously messed up for over 50 years. That is a fact. And so what I do when I'm working with my intuitive eating principles is I have been doing a great job at legalizing food, making it be a non-issue, and just noticing 
how does my body feel or how do I feel or if I feel that I'm getting into an emotional eating event that I'm eating these chips or these cookies or even an apple for a reason outside of being one physically hungry or two because I think that item of food is absolutely delicious at the moment to dig deep within myself and find out why. Well as you know from my previous episodes I've been studying singing finally and I've also been studying voice acting and both of these have to do like my podcast with my voice and I'm someone that's always had a real issue with with uh, allergies and having bronchitis and stuff like that and I was noticing that besides my vocal cords getting a little bit tired from the extra use I was getting a lot of phlegm, not to be too much information, but I was getting a lot of junk in my throat and through my sinuses. And so there were various things that people recommended that I do to help with that. And I'm not going to go into all the details of all that I've been going through to help with that. But one of them, which just was awful for me, was give up dairy. Now, brave companions, a lot of people have trouble digesting dairy foods, you know, cheese and yogurts and ice creams. They have problems with that. Well, I'm not one of them. I can digest dairy all day long and feel great. And actually, most of my very, very, very favorite foods include a dairy component in them somewhere. So for me to think about, I'm going to give up dairy to help my voice was really challenging and I had a lot of fear that this would cause me to feel like I described before that I would fall directly into the diet mentality that I would be resentful that I wasn't eating ice cream that I would be sorry that I wasn't having my normal organic yogurt that I have in the morning before a bike ride these kinds of foods are parmesan cheese on my pasta I was really scared that this was going to trigger me into having a lot of resentment. But because I like to give things a try before I make a judgment, I said to myself, well, let's just give it a go. One, let's give up dairy for a few weeks and see if that helps improve this problem to make your voice better. So I did, and I'm sad to report that, yes, I do think that when I'm not eating dairy foods, that I have less gunk in my throat, and it is easier for me to breathe, and it is easier for me to sing. But, brave companions, the thing that is even more amazing to me is that the giving up of the dairy did not trigger in me a feeling of deprivation. Because, as you'll find out when Mark gives his report, we actually had like kind of a date movie at home night where we had a cheese plate with a glass of wine. And I ate the cheese because this was a special occasion. And I felt fine. So with dairy, I'm not trying to eliminate it forever. But I'm trying to be cognizant of when am I going to need to use my voice? And can I maybe cut down on it or eliminate it on most days. Like, here's the most surprising thing. I'm a big coffee drinker, which is also a bad, 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 bad thing for your voice because caffeine dries you out. It dehydrates you. And even decaf has some caffeine in it. So my favorite thing in the morning, since I drink mostly decaf anyway, was my decaf coffee with cream or milk. And I love the flavor of a nice dark coffee with some cream. And I said, how in heaven's name am I going to give this up to not even have coffee with cream? So I went down to Trader Joe's and I tried for the first time vanilla unsweetened almond milk. And I tasted it and I said, you know, it's a little bit sweeter than cream, even though it's unsweetened. But it tastes pretty good on the cereal. I like that. So I was scared to death to put this stuff, this almond milk, into my coffee because now I let myself, or I have, I've cut down even on my decaf to help my voice, but I have this one cup of coffee in the morning and I put the almond milk in it. And my goodness, that tastes pretty darn good. Is it as good as coffee with real cream? No, it isn't, but it's pretty darn close, surprisingly close. And I'm very surprised 
at how I feel okay. I'm happy because I feel I'm making progress with all of my voice goals, with doing this show, with taking my voiceover lessons, with doing my singing every day. I'm happy with that progress. And I think that shows me that there's hope too, that as I go forward, in fact, I've noticed recently that I'm really not eating the so-called play food, the cookies, the chips, those things as often as I was when I was legalizing. I really am kind of naturally sitting down and putting some vegetables on my plate with some hummus and some protein and maybe a little bit of carb, sometimes not. I mean, carb besides veggies. But I'm kind of naturally going back to the balanced eating approach that makes my body feel better. And that's very exciting to me. I'm not really thinking about it. I'm not going, oh, no, I notice I've been eating crap, and so I better eat a bunch of veggies. I notice that when I go to have lunch or breakfast, I sort of feel in my body what I want to eat, like what my body wants me to eat. And when I eat differently, boy, I can tell it. Not in my critical mind, not in my critical mind at all, but in my body. I say, oh man, I feel sluggish. Oh, this, I don't feel good. I ate this and now I'm going to go bike riding and my bike riding energy isn't good. Whatever it is, even when those times come that I emotionally overeat, it's almost not as good at all as a a thing to do because I'm very aware of what I'm doing. And I feel it in my tummy way, way earlier than I used to when I was binging regularly. I feel it way, way earlier. And instead of having that giddy relief of shoving food down my gullet, I feel this, oh my goodness, my tummy is getting full and my gut doesn't feel well and this isn't feeling good. And it makes me want to stop eating. (laughs) That is the weirdest thing. Now, most normal people, they would totally understand because the only time they might be stuffing themselves is at a delicious all-you-can-eat buffet or Thanksgiving dinner or some reason like that. But for me, Lori, someone who's dealt with emotional, compulsive, obsessive binge eating for 50 years, to be even having an extra cookie and to feel it in my body and to realize what I'm doing, not through some big emotional breakthrough, but in my body. My body tells me when I've had enough, even in that case. Am I perfect? No. (laughs) Alan, I'm not perfect. And anymore, I don't think I'm trying to be. But what I do need to let go, and I'm going to continue to let go, is the idea that sometimes making what I perceive as a healthy choice for me to eat, or what I perceive as a choice to benefit me in some way, such as having almond milk rather than dairy milk to improve my voice, to think that that's got to trigger me into deprivation because I realize, brave companions, that at this moment in time, I'm not being deprived of dairy. I'm making a choice. And like I did with Mark and our date night, I can make a choice to eat that food at any time I want. I can have it anytime. And that's a wonderful feeling of freedom. some brief shout outs and announcements. I want to give a special hello and positive vibes to Jody on Facebook. Jody, you're doing great. And anytime you think you're not doing great, well, you just come listen to this. Day 77. Yay, Jody. And big congrats to Donnie, who ran a 10K since our last episode. Yay, Donnie. I'm so proud of you. You go, girl. And a big, big welcome to our new listener, Maria. Thanks also to the listeners who have been giving Compulsive Overeating Diary five-star ratings on iTunes. As I said before, that really helps 
new brave companions find us and the u.s amazon shoppers have been shopping like crazy lately thanks so much because that really helps the show so if you want to shop at amazon in the uk canada or the u.s if you come to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com first and go through the shop amazon link you will be helping us to keep the show going and a very special warm java jive heartfelt thanks to my latest coffee clatcher who is subscribed for the monthly support by clicking on the coffee menu on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com thank you thank you thank you i so appreciate that and by the way all the financial support i get either through amazon or through the coffee clatch by clicking on the coffee button goes directly to the show for things like buying more storage for the video the video for the audio files for the podcast getting better spam filters so when you come to the website you don't have to see people trying to sell you things (laughs) that you don't want to see stuff like that things that help take it out of the family budget and put it onto my podcast budget and that really really helps mark and i to keep going and not fret and worry about me doing this show so thank you thank you thank you to all of those to all of you who have been helping us out and to those of you that just can't afford it or can't at this time we understand believe me we're retired we get it and i want to thank you for the continued support by the ratings the reviews or the comments that you give on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com Now, yesterday, the hot spell finally broke somewhat. Hooray! Oh, my goodness, I am so sick of this 100-degree-plus Fahrenheit weather. Oh, man, that is hot. Hot and dry and dusty and uncomfortable. (laughs) We've all been grouchy in our house anyway. (laughs) Even the cats have just been laying around like rugs instead of having their own cat fun like they usually do because it's just been so darn hot. But yesterday, it was actually a beautiful day, so Mark and I decided to get up early, go down and ride the L.A. River, and it was fantastically beautiful, and I was having a good time, and I thought it would be fun to see if I couldn't record some of my bike ride for you. So here's an edited version of our bike ride on the L.A. River. I hope you enjoy it. It's been a while since I tried to record on the bike. In fact, I think it was maybe the first month of the show. So I thought it'd be fun just to slap on the recorder today and see if I can't just give you a little flavor of what it feels like to be me here in Southern California on a beautiful day riding my bike along the LA River. Right now I'm just getting ready to cross the street so I have to stop and make sure there's no cars coming. Mark's ahead of me. And right now I'm on the side of the road getting ready to turn into the bike path. Now it's this entrance where I had that little bike snafu a few months ago when I was actually exiting the bike path. So here we go onto the route. Now it says it's going to be about 90 today in the valleys. And that's where we live, we're considered in the valley. But right now, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's a nice temperature, it's not overcast, sunny, we see some birds along the river, really pretty. And Mark's kind of speeding up right now. Let's see, the bike computer is not going yet. You know, sometimes the magnet doesn't work here because of the overhead lines. But that's okay. We'll just do some intuitive exercise today. I know that our route is exactly 15 miles. In fact, it's a little less than 15, so after I'm done with this route, I usually ride around the parking lot about three times. And that gives me 15 miles. And generally we do this one in just over an hour. So we don't get up to 15 miles an hour yet. We have in the past. I'd say typically we're probably average about 12 and a half, 13 and a half, depending on the day. 
And it's kind of interesting because I have no idea how much of this you're going to hear. If the headwinds will wipe out my voice, or if you'll be able to hear some of the cool birds, or if the poor commuters going to work is going to drown me out. The weird thing about the LA bike path is that you have horrendous traffic on the one side of it, and on the other, you'll see actual water and reeds and an island with trees and all kinds of wildlife. And on the other side of that, you'll see movie studios. <laughs> so pretty interesting life here in California, in the Southland, as we call it. Well, that was the fun of yesterday. Now to the absurd, or the not so fun. Now, I kind of knew that when Mark did his monthly non-diet report on my progress, that I might not particularly enjoy what he had to say, because I've been feeling in my own body that that my pants are getting a little bit tighter. I'm not quite sure why, but I kind of knew it. But anyhow, I asked Mark if he wouldn't give me the report anyway, because it's been a little over a month since last he did. So here's Mark's unbiased opinion on my non-dieting progress. Mark Weaver here with Lori's No More Diet Report. Each month, I will answer the question everybody's dying to know. How is it working? Okay, Mark, I showed you the label of the pants I have on today. They're my smaller 18Ws. And can you verify they're the same pants I wore last month? Yes, I can. Okay, so you and I were discussing earlier that you've noticed some changes in my body over the last month, and I've noticed these too. So what, what's your assessment? How, how is my weight doing this last month or so? It's gone up a little bit. And by a little bit, how much do you think it is? Now you've seen me without my pants on, and you've seen me with my pants on. How much do you think it is? Oh, probably three to five pounds. Wow, that's quite a bit for one month. That's that's kind of disappointing, but you know the way my clothes fit, I would have to agree with you that that I think is accurate. But I'm a little bit puzzled in myself on why this is occurring. Have you noticed anything in my eating habits that would give you a clue to why you think I've put on this weight? No, no. I think maybe it has to do with the heat because I think you've actually been eating healthier than than you were before. I think I might be too. Could you describe what you mean by healthier? Well, you're drinking less and eating less dairy. <laughs> That's wasn't drinking before, honey. Well, no, actually, when you'd have some beer, you'd have a couple, and now you only have one. Well, actually, in the last month, is not when I changed my drinking habits, but I will ask you about that. Before I was doing intuitive eating and I was drinking with you, how many beers would I have? Oh, you'd probably have three or four. <laughs> if we were drinking all day long? Yes. Okay, and since I've been doing intuitive eating, how many beers do I usually drink? A half to one. Yes, I have a beer glass that I fill it up and it's a half of a beer and I usually drink just one of those or have another half later. Yeah, that's correct. And that's not because I'm actually trying to diet. I just found out from intuitive eating that that's like all that I really want. Beer doesn't taste good to me, at least so far, after about half of a beer. So that's kind of cool. And the dairy, actually, I just recently stopped, and that wasn't for weight loss. Do you, do you remember how come I stopped eating dairy? Uh, because it uh, decreases the mucus that you have in your throat and allows you to uh, speak more clearly on your podcast and in your singing and, and uh, in your, in your uh, voiceover class. 
That's right. That's I'm trying. I'm experimenting to see if that's true. And I really am not too happy about giving up dairy because my favorite, favorite foods all are dairy foods. But last night I had some dairy dinner. Yes. Uh, we had a... We watched a movie and had a bottle of wine and a cheese uh, platter. So I would have to say, brave companions, that my dairy avoidance at the moment isn't like I'm never going to eat dairy again ever. It's just I've been trying to cut down on it and avoid it because it does make the phlegm in my throat be reduced if I avoid the dairy. And so that's an interesting thing. To, well, to go back to my topic of why I might have put this weight on, like you've noticed how many snacks we have in the cupboards and how much food there is and that kind of things. Have you seen a big increase? Like if you had to go buy more food more often, if I've been obviously eating more and I'm in denial about it? No, no, it's the same amount of food as you're eating before. So I, I would agree. I don't feel that I've been having any binge behaviors or I have been eating a little more emotionally, so maybe slightly more, but slightly more usually doesn't put five pounds on me in a month. So is there anything else you can think of? Do you think it's the exercise? I think it's just it's been awful hot and I think maybe your body's retained a lot more water than it normally does. Well, if that's true, then maybe next month I'll be back to where I was before. I think it's highly likely that's probably true. And I am in the same pants, and they are zipped up, right? Yes, they are. <laughs> but it was a little bit tougher for me to zip them this time. <laughs> yes, they're, they're hair tighter. Well, I would have to say, like, Last time you said our relationship had improved because I haven't been dieting. Have you seen any other changes to our relationship since last month? Oh, um, just a little. I think we're getting along a little bit better. Because I'm not eating so much? Well, I don't know that that has anything about it. You know, I think that that's, you know... I don't, you know, I don't think it has any, how we get along has a lot to do with, with your eating right now, no. How would you classify me, like, you know, before, would you think that I was, like, how would you classify my eating before I started intuitive eating? Oh, I would say that it was very inconsistent and very bingy. And... Now, what? How would you describe my eating? So, how how does your wife eat? Like, what what kind of eater is she? What would you say? I would say that uh, you're a consistent eater. You just basically, you know, you seem to your portions all seem to be uh, normal size, and you seem to eat when you're hungry. Well, that's kind of a little bit of an easy part to start when I'm hungry. Now that I know when I'm hungry, the harder part is to stop eating. But have you seen me continuing to eat, in your opinion, when you've seen me eat? Have I been eating more than I used to? No. Yeah. Well, Brave Companion is kind of hoping me I get some insight from Mark because I'm a little bit puzzled, a little bit puzzled by the weight gain that I've experienced, though I can tell it, like, I think he's right. Maybe it's the heat. And because of the heat, I haven't been exercising quite as often and maybe not gone to as much intensity because it's so so hot. But I did want to say this, even though I admit that I probably have put on three to five pounds since last month, we just got back from doing a 15-mile bike ride on the L.A. River. So how would you describe my physical performance in riding my bike? Oh, I, you seem to be getting stronger all the time doing that. And did you see any lack of energy or anything that would, you know, like normally when I put on some weight, I start to get slower in our activities, our exercise activities. Um, no, I haven't, you know, I, I have noticed a little decrease in your performance, mostly from heat, though. I mean, I think that uh, it's been it's been really, really hot. So it, that has a tendency to slow you down a bit. Okay, well, thanks for being my scale substitute and for giving your unbiased report. And just to, again, repeat, 
Are you going to tell me exactly what you think, even if it might hurt my feelings? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's Mark. Would you, are you going to try to, to tell me the truth without saying, like, you're fat as a pig or, or things hurtfully? Well, uh, yeah, I actually, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's like, so, no, but if you ask me a direct question, I will answer it honestly. Well, here's an interesting question as we wrap up your monthly report, which I'll have to edit down. My body, even though it appears a little bit heavier to you this month than last month, it's my overall appearance less attractive to you than last month? Uh, no. Could you expand on that for my own amusement? For your own amusement? You look just as nice this month as you did last month, sweetheart. <laughs> Thank you, honey. There you have it. Even though I'm a little bit up in pounds, Mark still thinks I'm as beautiful or, or as nice looking anyway as I was last month. Well, that wasn't so bad as, as I was thinking it might be. You know, it was a little bit overwhelming to see that he thought I put on three to five pounds. But on the other hand, to Mark, a little bit might be 15 pounds. So I was kind of relieved it wasn't that. And you can see the latest picture that he took of me on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash day 77. And actually, I think in my mind, I look worse or feel worse than I actually do in reality. And I'm going to take comfort in the fact that Mark still thinks I look beautiful and that he really hasn't seen a big change in my eating habits. And in fact, I really was thrilled by his whole comment that he sees me now as a consistent eater. I think that's awesome. So I'm going to choose to take this report as positive progress. Yay for me. I continue on without the scale and I'm still doing the best I can to listen to my body and learn something. And I think that's kind of cool. Speaking of cool, I thought it would be fun to play for you my one of the takes from my last voice acting lesson. So I'm going to play this snippet and you're going to hear some of the direction that Mark Cashman, my teacher, gives me after take two. You're going to listen to my take three and then his wrap-up comments and you'll see why that made me so happy. Well, I, your, you, your beginning on that one was infinitely better, infinitely better than take one. You had a great start on that one. Your time was very consistent. We came out to 29 and a half. No, just over 29. Okay. Your time was very consistent. You're still in the 29 pocket there. All right. You do have a tendency to say a knitting needle. You're still not confident with that. It's no. a knitting needle. A knitting needle, not a. a. Needle. All right. A knitting. A knitting. Say, a knitting. A knitting. A knitting. A knitting. A knitting. Not a knitting. A okay. Knitting. And it's not being jammed. It's being jammed. I need the G on being. Being. Okay, I'm I, just on take one and two. I'm hearing be, being being jammed. Okay, um, uh, uh, midway through you said with two plane relievers. Yeah. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> uh -huh, that's very good. At the end you said the next time the next time you have a headache, let's. I don't think we need the emphasis on you. So the next time you have a headache, again we're we know we know we're talking to you. Let's put it on headache. The next time you have a headache. Um, that's the only thing, those are the only things I flagged because overall, your time was excellent. You're, you started out great. I love that, that, that beginning. I want you to keep that in take three. Um, um, let's just, let's just f finesse those, those few things that I gave you in take two. But you're sounding great, Lori. Stand by. This is take three. Headaches are a fact of life. Like taxes, puberty, and tooth decay, headaches just happen, and they can get pretty bad. One woman, an accountant, described her headaches as, quote, a knitting needle being jammed into my eye. That's why there's Goody's Headache Powder, with two pain relievers that instantly get into your system and attack headache pain where it starts, in your head. So the next time you have a headache, even if it's so bad it actually defies description, reach for the Goody's Headache Powder. It gets the job done. Okay, well, time-wise, actually, you're about a second shorter on that one, oh. a, a little bit. It was a little bit faster. Overall, that take was, was your best take, with the exception of the very, very end. At the very end, you'll hear yourself say, it gets the job done. 
hmm. without any smile, without any <laughs> promise. I, I, I basically, I didn't, okay. I didn't hear you end, end, you know, up and positive. I just heard you say it gets the job done. Okay. Um, do me a favor and pick up. So the next time you say the next time you have a headache, I want you to put it on headache this time, not on you. And finish that last line for me with a smile. And again, don't read it. Let's do a pickup. So the next time. So the next time you have a headache, even if it's so bad it actually defies description, reach for the goodies headache powder. It gets the job done. Much better. Much, much better on that one. You didn't throw that last line away. You, you put the emphasis where I asked you to put it. Um, listen back to a knitting needle being jammed into my eye. You still have a tendency to say being jammed, being jammed. That's the only thing articulation-wise that I flagged. Every, everything else is beautifully articulated. You have no problem with articulation, but occasionally you have some pockets where you just get a little lazy. Okay. Other than that, I, you're, you're, you made great progress on this one. And good, good, you ended up really, really well. Come on in. Did you guess which of Mark Cashman's comments made me happy? Well, it was the fact that he said my articulation was overall pretty good. Even though I'm a little bit lazy, I guess it's talking to you guys. I say being, and I'm doing, and you're kind of jazzy. I'll have to work on that. So if I start articulating in the podcast, don't freak out. It's just me getting in a little extra voice practice. But I really, really was worried that I wouldn't be able to physically do voice over work or voice acting work. Despite whether I had acting talent or not, I thought maybe my lips after my bicycle accident just would not go together well enough for me to control my explosive P's or to stop the hiss of the S. I really was worried that I physically was not going to be able to even pursue this dream at all whether I was good at it or not. And now I know that I can, that mechanically I have the ability to overcome the different shape that my mouth has due to my bicycle accident, that I will be able to give it my best shot. So come what may, I'm very, very happy about that. Because of all the things that support me, support this show, and support each other, the number one thing is when you take the time to leave comments on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com or to some lesser extent on Facebook. But CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com is really where the bulk of our discussions happen and where the brave companions go to see if any other brave companions are supporting them. And I wanted to feature some comments to let you know what a difference that makes. For example, Marquita was brave and called the Bravery Hotline two episodes ago on day 75 to tell us of her struggles with leaving a jar of nut butter alone. And last show, I read Cheryl's supportive comment of Marquita. And then Marquita posted these thoughts on day 75. This is such a wonderful site to visit. The podcasts and comments are so full of support, bravery, and fun. Lori, beautiful singing, let me just say. I am so proud of you. Your voice acting was also great. It is inspiring for me to see that people are doing what they are passionate about. Cheryl, it is comforting to know that I am not the only one who had an incident with a jar of food. I did the same thing to a chocolate bar yesterday. But with each incident, I am learning to forgive and have compassion for myself. Somewhere along the way, we learn to cope with food and let what we put in our mouth be connected to our self-worth. Baby steps in getting off that hamster wheel. And so, brave companions, instead of being trapped on the hamster wheel, our wheel of support keeps turning. I know it makes a huge difference to me when you support me with your comments, and I've heard it also makes a big difference to all of the brave companions who step out of their comfort zone to participate in some way. So if you hear somebody call on the bravery hotline or tell a joke on Foolish Fun, or you really, really appreciate some thoughts that their comments bring to your mind, please do take a minute and post your ideas and thoughts too. The more brave companions we have sharing on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, the more we will have to discuss together and the safer it will feel for new brave companions to share their own thoughts. 
And speaking of supporting what you hear on a show, Stephanie from Quebec supported and summed up all of last episode with her thoughtful comments. First, she compliments Donnie and my Skype call. Hi, Donnie. I loved that feature with Donnie and hearing about your story was great. I look forward to listening to other stories too. Donnie, you are great with words and I love that bubbly R that you have, so cheerful and willing to share. I can't wait to hear your follow-up in a month. Then Stephanie gives me a lot to think about when she shares what my struggles with sadness and isolation bring to mind for her. Dear Lori, about your episode, I respect your wish to keep your private life private. You are already more than generous to share what you do share with us, and we are blessed to get a peek into your intimate relation to food and related matters. I feel very privileged that you let us in. What struck me about this is not the private content of your sadness, but its opposition to the great things that are happening in your life. I maybe was reading too much into this as there are some missing pieces to the puzzle, but I wonder if you often feel like me, feeling very happy and within a short moment after feeling very sad. When I live a great moment, a sense of accomplishment, a proudness, I'm exhilarated, elated. Soon after, for some odd reason I can't quite grasp yet, I have this little depression. It usually goes like this. Number one. A great peak of joy happens in my life. I am on cloud nine, brave, proud, optimist about life. Two, time goes by and soon enough some invasive, negative thought comes to my mind about something that lacks in my life. This thought grows inside and the sadness comes. Three, I feel extremely guilty about feeling this way and I am mad with myself because I should quote, appreciate more, unquote, instead of letting negative thoughts carry my mind. And I wonder, is it self-sabotage? Is it possibly guilt? And maybe some weird, twisted way I don't feel I deserve happiness. Is it a biological, normal downfall that follows an adrenaline rush? Is my character of melancholic or perfectionist? Is it me being a drama queen? Why can't I just live life without worries? Why do I overanalyze so much? I might be completely off track here with your own story, but this is what your episode got me thinking about. Although I can acknowledge I have this pattern, I am not quite sure what to do with it yet. I guess I'll let it sit in my mind for a while. Big hug XX. And lastly, Stephanie doesn't forget Helen's foolish fun. She says, P.S. Helen, loved your foolish fun. I told your joke at the office today. And Helen, I've been telling your joke everywhere. I loved it. And Stephanie, I just cannot tell you how great your thoughtful comments on the underlying sadness, as I told you, you're right, is juxtaposed against all these great things. My singing progress, my voice acting lessons going well. The good things with the show, people sending money to help support the show. I still can't believe that. Anytime that happens, I just can't believe it. But I'm so grateful for all of that. So I should be on top of the world and I'm still struggling. Now part of it is, again, I'm not going to share my private details, but I have some really tough things that I'm having to deal with right now that are real and actual and not just me being compulsive and picky on myself. There's some real big issues that I'm having to deal with and it's odd that I'm having to deal with them in the middle of having all of these great things. However, it's good that I can separate the two. I still could say, hooray, I went on a great bike ride. Hooray, my singing lessons are going well. Hooray, my voice acting is giving me pleasure and I can see how I can improve. At the same time, I can be crying in my pillow over the sad things and the hard things. And I say to myself, oh my gosh, this is really tough. And I wish that I could tell you, but I can't. This is really too private to be talking about. And like I shared last time, I'm really, really, really missing my friend Marie, who was the perfect person to go walking around the Rose Bowl with and share these thoughts with. I miss that. I miss that in my life a great deal. But Stephanie, I'm going to keep that link to your comment handy on my bookmarks 
because I think your list is absolutely fantastic as a checklist of thinking these through. Am I causing this pain and drama for myself? Is that kind of like maybe when we binge to sort of punish ourselves? Maybe we feel too happy and so then we have a binge so that we can feel the pain of one, I'm out of control and two, now I'm putting on weight or whatever that might be. Because sometimes I think we do. Maybe we're addicted to the highs and lows, the high of the adrenaline and the low of the depression and all that goes around that. That just kind of every day I'm feeling pretty good is boring, not exciting kind of like the difference between dating the bad guy, right? The rebel without a cause guy versus the, hey, neat guy who calls you when he says he will, shows up when he says he will, nice to you guy. You know, for a lot of us, the bad, exciting one is more thrilling than the regular nice one. And I wonder if maybe Stephanie has a point and you know, if everything in my life was going absolutely good, maybe that would be very, very challenging because I can't remember a time in my own life where things were going 100% good for an extended period of time. It just hasn't happened. For one thing, I've been a binge eater for 50 years. So if anything else, I was at least binge eating and to give me, to give me that to be upset about, if that makes sense. And now I'm not really binge eating at all anymore, not really at all. So yes, I think I still have the ingrained habits and mental patterns that might be part of your list, Stephanie, and I'm really going to think it through some more about that. How much of my sadness and pain is being whipped up by some of the things on your list? And how much is really the actual struggle of my true issues that I'm working on? I think that's kind of a cool thing for all of us if you're in the mood to actually think it through for yourself. Now, some days I know we're just not in the mood. We don't want to analyze it. We just want to go have fun. Yay, go dancing. Go out. Go to concerts. See a movie. Watch a trashy TV show. Do something fun and stop analyzing. But if you want to get to the root of things, it's really helpful to have a list like Stephanie so thoughtfully provided us with. So brave companions, I hope you go out and have some fun. And until next time, take care because I truly, really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone and won't be holding on to anything again. Stop.